What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is back in. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr with two R's loaded up today. We'll talk with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic in 20 minutes. Get his take on Nebraska Purdue and See how he enjoyed Iowa City. Husker Hoops back at it tonight. Tip off at 8 for the mayor and company against the Yotes of South Dakota. Rick Pizzo in one hour takes us around the Big Ten. And then a lot of Kaz time. Coach Rick Kaczynski will talk center play. We'll spend some time on the Iowa game. Thoughts on Purdue. And uh, interesting to talk to Coach Kaz about the tough love aspect that's kind of permeated a discussion point about Nebraska football based on yesterday's presser. Can join us, dial us up, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to get in. And the email is chris at halevarsity.com. Damon Barr, are you, are you exhausted? Are you worried about Purdue? You're done with finals, brother. You're into the holiday mode. It's December. So give me the smile, man. It's going to be okay. I think it's going to be okay. I think my, my bodily Saturday. My body just finally caught up with me after a whole semester, and I'm kind of just... You're just absolutely hitting the old freshman, sophomore, <laughs> junior wall. I'm just slamming myself right into bed when I get home tonight. That's what I'm telling you. You, you feeling okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just exhausted, man. You know what? And this, this is just, you know, who am I to say? But just keep it down to, to, to half a quart of rum. Right, you're the rum connoisseur. I know people depend on your take. People bring you rum offerings all the time to get is this a quality rum? And Damon Barr's like, I'm your rum guy. You and Joe Boo. Just dial it back a little bit. You gotta pace yourself right. for the holiday season in eggnog. All right, I'll dial it back. So so you need like a you need a massage, a cigar, and some time in the sun is what you're telling me. Exactly. All right. Well we'll get that handled for you, but Juice up, man, because it is Bob Diaco week. Listen, I'm trying to sell this bastard Saturday, all right? I got to talk about it. You may or may not watch it, but the point is, is you've got Husker football on Saturday. Kind of moved on from the frustration of Iowa. I saw a hilarious tweet by our good friend, Dr. Rob Zadiska, you know, jock doc uh, or jock talk his sports uh, Twitter handle, this podcast. We've got a jock doc tomorrow with our friends at Lincoln Orthopedic Center. But a, a medical buddy of Dr. Rob's asked him, <laughs> uh, so if you do have COVID, 
can can Saturday's game still Friday's game still leave a bad taste in your mouth? Uh huh. Tip your waiters. Try the veal. I I thought that was pretty good. So let's talk about Saturday and Purdue. And it is the Dirty Bob Diaco Bowl, right? I mean, and Jay Moore nailed it. The the trophy part of this game shall be the little mini microphone that Bob would hold as he waxed poetic, talking about the strain. And listen, people are not happy with his defense in in West Lafayette. And if you've got the dudes, and he had the dudes at Notre Dame, his defense is incredible. He was your defensive coordinator for the Irish's national championship game run in 2012. He had Manti Teo, really good secondary, uh, defensive line that worked well. And listen, I, I'm excited for Saturday because of some, some positives I'm taking away from Black Friday. I thought I saw enough glimpses of the old Adrian. I thought you still saw some McCaffrey, and I think a lot of us would like to see more McCaffrey in the backfield, a la Ohio State. Didn't quite see that. Wandale looked good, ripping off some big plays on the on the little swing pass and also in the run game. Austin Allen's cleared and healthy. We'll hear from Coach Lubick here shortly. But Austin Allen's developing. Xavier Betts is, I think, getting more and more comfortable and Nebraska's defense, I, I, you just never know. But the way they played against Iowa, yeah, it was because it was Iowa. But I think maybe the Illinois game is going to be one of those painful lessons that they take with them. And they'll for sure try and take it with them in, into Purdue, right? And they, they played well enough to win. They did everything they needed to do to win the football game defensively. It was special teams. And it was offense. And and maybe Nebraska, and this is maybe to Pollyanna, but I think this this is the game where maybe Nebraska's offense can break out and get get right. And what does right mean? Is that thirty one points instead of twenty? Is that twenty eight points? Was they have a chance to clean up. They have a chance to go against a defense that's been decimated by everyone they face. Now, the way this season is gone, you watch Dirty Bob and Purdue hold Nebraska to like nine points. That would suck. And it would be absolutely par for 2020. But listen, defense is playing well. Can they put two weeks together of playing well? Overall, they played at a pretty high level. They've given up some yards. They've given up some points. But just from a from a physicality standpoint, you're you're getting closer to seeing what you, I think, have expected as a Nebraska fan on the defensive side of the ball. They're hitting people, and uh, they're they're not a liability. People aren't just lining up and ramming the ball down their throat. Now that's not really Purdue's game. I mean, you've got Bell and and more to deal with, and and that could make things a challenge. So. Listen, they have shredded a lot of defenses. They gutted out a win against Iowa to open the season, and it was Bell kind of all by himself, three touchdowns. So you know, Nebraska's offense going to have to show up, and this is a game I think they can show up, and you're getting good quarterback play. Uh, you need better offensive line play, and we'll see if that if that happens. But you pretty much have a defense you're going against that just is, is afraid to get get crazy 
I mean, it's it's preventative. And if you have the right people with a complementary offense, Diaco's system can work. But he has wore out people in, in West Lafayette. Tom Deanhart, uh, goldenblack.com, going to be with us tomorrow to take a further dive into Purdue. But I feel pretty good. I think Nebraska can can get back in the win column on Saturday. I think it's minus two Purdue right now. But guess what? It's another tight ball game. It's another close road show for Nebraska. And maybe they're finally sick and tired of being sick and tired, and they find a way to win this thing. And to quote Bob Knight in a halftime tirade where he used toilet paper as a prop, I'm sick and bleeping tired of losing to Purdue. I think Scott Frost is. I think the players are. And I know the Nebraska fan base doesn't want a three-game losing streak to Purdue. Brahm's awesome. He's a great coach, phenomenal offensive offensive mind. And Purdue's just kind of gutted it out with all their issues. So is Illinois. And Nebraska has stayed very, very disciplined. But I think things can work out okay for Nebraska. We'll dive further into it. Uh, we'll hear a little bit now from uh, some of the coaches today. And uh, back to the kind of focal point of attrition that is happening. That is on the minds of many as you don't want a lot of this South Florida talent to keep exiting as quickly as they do. And you had Coach Lubick asked about departures, not specifically to uh, the latest departure, but overall, you've had some guys leave the program. Here's Coach Lubick. To be honest, it doesn't really affect our room. Um, uh, it's the guys that are here. We're going to coach the guys that are here and, and push them to be the best they can possibly be, and I think our players understand that. I think we have a lot of friendly competition that's making each other better. We have some young guys that are getting better. We have some experienced guys that are improving. And so it's, you know, it's, it's a daily process that – you know, that sometimes guys get nicked up or for whatever reason might not be out there. The guys that are out there is, are the guys that we're going to coach and, and get better. And, and you never know when your opportunity is going to come. So sometimes whether it's an injury or, or, or whatever the scenario is, you got to be ready for it. And the way you get ready for it is by preparing and practicing hard every day. And that leads into what, what Xavier Betts has been doing. And he's gotten a couple of touches uh, a game, had a really good uh, showing and fit against Penn State. Now, you'd like to see his targets and and reception numbers increase. There's been times he's been open. A, the quarterback's got to see him. B, there needs to be time for the quarterback to find him. But uh, here is Lubick on bets and his progression. Could could we see more bets? Could bets make more of an impact? Listen, the focus is going to be on Wandale. The focus is going to be on Bell. The focus is going to be on Rondale Moore. But Betts is a guy that, that could be very elite. We'll talk about another Bellevue West wide receiver in a moment that got an offer today from Nebraska football. But, you know, Betts is making steady progress in that wide receiver room. Very proud of where, where he's came from. Uh, it's, it's hard for any freshman to come in and make an instant impact. It takes time. And so I don't know if it was like an instant light. I think it was more of, uh, you know, just gradually getting better. I do think, you know, when he got we got into some game action and got some confidence and had a little success in the Penn State game, I think that gave him more confidence and just knowing what it takes to play at this level, the speed of the game, and he's and he's continuing to get better. He gets better every day in practice. Very proud of, of where he's going, and he's a special talent that's going to be a great player here. So the the thing that Nebraska has, and it's been a topic of conversation all year, and that's the quarterback situation. 
Nebraska went to Luke. Nebraska's seen Adrian, and both guys have played, and they've done their role well. And that is a situation that's going to continue. And it, it's a pain in the neck defensively. And if Luke's in, it's not that he can't or won't throw it, but the guy has been a, a nice option with the quarterback run game. He's done really well. And Nebraska's even dropped him in when Adrian's been playing well. I mean, that, that final series of the and drive, I mean, you had Luke that, that went out there and picked up some yards, running the football between the, the, the 20s, and then Adrian came back in. So guys are both guys right now are just kind of in, in the middle of it, so they're just they're rolling with the punches, dealing with the roll. But uh, specifically here, here is Lubick on, you know, that, that decision point by the coaches when to pull and when to insert the quarterback. And, and really the fact both guys have handled it this way uh, speaks highly of, of both quarterbacks' character. So it's actually been really smooth, to be honest with you. They both are a little bit different, similar and different. They both can run, as you've seen, and they both can throw it. Um, some might run one play a little better than another, you know, and so that's just us as coaches is to get those called when, when they're the specific quarterback. But, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a really good situation, to be honest with you. And uh, it has been better than I think you could have expected, honestly, right? Because both guys have been ready. Adrian stayed ready. And Adrian looked pretty sharp. We'll spend some time on the quarterback spot uh, with Mitch Sherman coming up. So what is the plan for quarterback on Saturday? Uh, last thought here from Coach Lubick. I could say, but I, I don't want to say, to be honest with you. It, it's, uh, they, we, like I said, like you saw the game Saturday, we feel like they both can play. Um, and we thought they both did a good job when they were in there. Like every position, there's there's things that you wish you had back or you could have done better as, as coaches, especially. There's always things that, you know, you look at yourself and how can we continue our constant state of improvement of just getting better. But uh, now I, I, I think they both, you know, I would expect them both to play. Um, how we use them and the exact reps, I know that, that you, you guys will see that on the field on Saturday. Can they light up a Diaco defense? Here's Lubicon, that Diaco uh, front. And uh, a defense that's been getting hammered quite a bit by Big Ten opponents. You know, I know he's had a lot of success in his career. They, they do a good job. They've definitely improved from last year statistically. Um, they, they take pride in not giving up big plays. I think that's a big improvement just from last year statistically to this year. And uh, so he, he, he does things. Um, he gives you different looks, but he, he keeps those looks sound where they're not going to give up big plays. So, you know, like every team in this league, it's going to be a big challenge for us uh, because it's a good defensive football team that's well coached. Well, we'll see if Nebraska can get some big plays in the passing game. We'll see what happens with the quarterback run game, Mitch Sherman, shortly. So the 2024 recruiting cycle is a ways off. You have a freshman wideout at Bellevue West named Davion Hall, 6'2", 175-pounder. He got an offer today for Nebraska. Hall, as Coach Huffman has said to us, look, I got a lot of good talent, not only with a Betts and a Johnson, and uh, some tight ends that are being recruited. I mean, you got a, uh, just a, a boatload of talent at Bellevue West for Coach Huffman. But Nebraska has identified a kid they love that's just a freshman in high school in uh, Davion Hall. 
And uh, per Coach Huffman, he's really special when he when he turns it on, and the guy can score. Similar to the way Betts did his work in high school. Obviously, uh, anywhere on the field catching the football, but the old jet sweep side of things. But you get a guy that is a freshman that looks and plays beyond his years just up the road. You've got the 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 Betts connection now. We'll see where the recruiting process goes. But Nebraska identifying and offering uh, a talent in Davion Hall. Iowa already offered in September, but Nebraska right there to say, dude, we'd like you to play football in Lincoln. Mitch Sherman's coming up. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how was the trip to Iowa City? Well, it was, um, the road was pretty uneventful. Didn't see any living deer uh, in front of my car on the, on the uh, highway. So, appreciate that. Uh, otherwise, uh, you saw the game, the same game that I did. Um, it, was, uh, it was an interesting Friday. It was. And as you, you take away some things from Friday, you know, what, what can Nebraska uh, pick out to, to carry forward to, to produce Saturday. It wasn't all bad. The score, yes, if you're a Nebraska fan. And the uh, the final fourth quarter with two turnovers was no good. But the defense, uh, I mean, physicality-wise and defense played well. And, you know, uh, Nebraska showed some, some more life offensively, but it wasn't wasn't enough. I mean, it wasn't a total loss, but, again, we're beyond the, the – um, uh, moral victory side of things here. What what can Nebraska pack up and take to West Lafayette from from Iowa City? Well, I think it found something with the quarterbacks to begin with. I think there has needed to be a path, uh, you know, a way for Nebraska to play both of these guys and have them both incorporated into the offense through all of these first five games. And we've really only seen it twice. We saw it at times against Ohio State. And then in a pretty good, effective way, I thought on Friday against Iowa, where you had those first four series predetermined split, and then you just kind of ride the hot hand from there. Mm -hmm. I think it only works with a certain kind of player, and maybe it only works this year with a certain kind of player where these guys are not expiring a season of eligibility, and you can kind of uh, sell them on that, that your career is not getting any shorter this year while we sort this thing out. I think that helps. And just the fact that they're able to play football, Mm -hmm. um, I think, makes – all of these guys happy. So it worked. It worked against Iowa where Nebraska was, was stumbling a little bit with Martinez at the beginning, had to punt twice. And then McCaffrey came in and gave them a spark. You know, the pace changed with him back there. He got them on the board with a couple of field goals. And then Adrian came back and really gave Nebraska a a better spark 
in the next couple of possessions after that, which extended into the third quarter. Um, you know, from there it didn't go as well because Iowa tightened up its defense and the turnover started to happen. I thought it was curious to see Nebraska get in a spot with those quarterbacks where it switched mid-series late in the game. Uh, don't think we'll necessarily see that again. That may have been an experiment that that uh, that failed. Huskers weren't in rhythm there, but I think the, the you know the, the the skeleton of the thing, the, the the foundation with those two guys, is finally something that that paid off for Nebraska um, for the first time since the season opener. So that's good. Mm-hmm. And defensively, like you said, it was physical. Nebraska did a nice job of stopping Iowa's run game, which has not been the case the last five times they've played. So uh, that's a step in the right direction. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic and find Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. What do you think of Adrian's play? I thought he looked closer to a, uh, a better version of, of Adrian. And I know it's a simple pass to the sideline, but I thought Nebraska, between having Stoll and Allen out there, they, they gashed Iowa for some nice edge yards just with a little simple swing pass that you'd think is, is easy, but Nebraska has not been able to execute. They, that's yeah. a simple play they were able to execute and get some yards with, I thought, on, on Black Friday. Yeah, they looked sharp in that, in, that, in that swing pass game. You know, Wandale Robinson got a lot of yards from Nebraska out of the backfield. And that's been a pass that Adrian's had some difficulty completing at times in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's completed it, but it hasn't been, it's a timing and a rhythm thing. And it's got to be in, in, it's got to be fluid or you miss out on those little holes that are created by the blocks syncing up with the timing of the play. And he did a good job last week of, of getting the timing down and, and Wandale did a nice job of being in the right place. And when they did get those tight ends down the field, especially Austin Allen, you know, Vokalek once or twice on the mid range passes, um, those tight ends did a nice job of hanging onto the ball. They're still desperately in need of a wide receiver who can get open down the field. And, you know, maybe that's Xavier Betts. We've really only seen him on the shorter routes um, as far as being targeted. Um, I've seen him open mm-hmm. at times, but they haven't gone to him. Um, you know, now Nebraska is going to be without other well, Marcus Fleming is gone. So there's an option that they don't no longer, they no longer have who was somebody that had the speed to get down the field. I, I you know, kind of like last year, they're back in a position right now without Armar Manning. The Fleming's gone. Uh, Wandale is good for a lot of things, but, but not necessarily that part of the game. Uh, they're, they're in a tough spot uh, in these last two or three games to find a way to open things up down the field. And, you know, if they can just do that a little bit, maybe they'll have to go with the tight ends. Uh, that's that's going to be highly beneficial uh, to letting them operate in, in other areas of their offense. The run game's got to, the running backs have to get going too. And, you know, it's been a long time now since we've seen Diedrich Mills. So, um, you know, there's questions about whether he's going to be healthy enough to come back uh, at all this month. Mitch, uh, a thought about the Florida exodus and the attrition, specifically Fleming. Uh, any any insight as, as to, to why? I mean, Nebraska has lost a lot of 2020 kids uh, to uh, to quick departures. And, and Fleming looked good early yeah. against Northwestern and then wasn't really targeted or used much. Yeah, not no, not specific insight into the situations that these guys have experienced. But I mean, I can tell you some common sense stuff. 
that when you look at a year, you know, Nebraska had no idea last December what 2020 was going to be be like when it went and and loaded up with Floridians in that recruiting class. I think if you would have known that this this season, this year, this calendar year was going to be crazy, there would have been some concerns right off the bat about bringing in seven guys from Florida and not allowing them, not not having them as as part of the. They're not they're not able to be part of the community in Lincoln, and that's important for every freshman in college. I think it's more difficult. This year has been more difficult to withstand for guys who came from a long way away. You know, Miami, where four of these guys are from, from Dade County, and then Keyshawn Green is is from the Florida Panhandle. All of those spots are vastly different than than life in Lincoln, and there needs to be an adjustment period. It's tough under any circumstances. You put those guys into 2020 where they're they're not able to experience have a social life they're not able to go out and run out onto the field even if they're not playing in front of 90,000 fans seven times on on fall Saturdays it's difficult it was going to be difficult to keep those guys content and 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 not in 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 Lincoln and then once a couple of them started to go you know I'm sure the pressure heated up from forces back home Mm -hmm. um to to bring them to uh to schools closer closer to uh to where they grew up so uh, it snowballed on Nebraska for sure, and it's 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 kind of a disaster to be honest. To lose five guys in a class like that before one calendar year, I mean, it's going to impact Nebraska for years uh, in 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 trying to fill those spots. You don't just go out and say, okay, we'll sign five more in 21, and all is good. You know, there are scholarship limitations as far as what they can do, and they're going to have to look for some transfers. Um, and that's not uh, necessarily a, a super easy thing to do when you when you uh, see the positions that they're deficient at now because of those departures. Mitch Sherman's with us. The Athletic is where you read him, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, final thought. Uh, your gut says what about Saturday in West Lafayette? Well, I, you know, I don't have a great sense to tell me that I think Nebraska's going to win the game, but I think they're, they're capable of it. Uh, you see the way Nebraska played against Iowa, and you go and you take that energy and you go to uh, Purdue, where they're without their best defensive player off the off the end, George Karloftis uh, is is injured and out. Purdue's been giving up a lot of yards and a lot of points on the defensive side, so I think there's an opportunity for Nebraska to score some points and and for uh, Martinez and McCaffrey to do some damage. But they're going to have to find ways to get the ball to their weapons. And we just talked about mm-hmm. how the weapons, you know, they're not there the way that Nebraska expected. They're down a bunch of running backs. They're down a bunch of receivers. So. Um, the guys who are there are going to have to be effective. Um, you're going to have to get Xavier Betts and, and Marvin Scott involved. You're gonna, you know, we saw Ramir Johnson last week. Maybe we can see Ronald Tompkins come back. Uh, some of the other receivers are going to, are going to, you know, obviously Wandale's a huge part of the game plan. Um, and then they're going to play good defense because Purdue has got the best uh, one, two punch at receiver that Nebraska's seen since the Ohio state game. Uh, in in Moore and Bell, so and it'll be the best they, they see the rest of the way because the guys at Michigan at, at Minnesota, I'm sorry, are are uh, you know Bateman has opted out, so mm-hmm. this is it. This is the biggest challenge that's left out there for the Nebraska secondary. Um, if they can do a good job on on those two guys, and I think Cam Taylor and DiCaprio Boodle are capable of it, but if 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 they can step up and do a nice job on those two receivers that Purdue has that then you know I think that can go a long way toward toward getting Nebraska in, in the uh, victory column 
you know, it is the Bob Diaco Bowl, Mitch, and interested to uh, to get your suggestion as far as what, what would signify or represent the trophy. About 90 seconds here, our friend Jay Moore said that the little mini microphone that Bob used to hold up, is is that a good suggestion or do you have something else in mind? Well, he's kind of the—he's kind of the—he uh, should design the trophy. I mean, he's kind of the, uh, the trophy guy, <laughs> uh, right? I mean, trophies are his thing. So, <laughs> so, so I, you know, I defer—I defer to Diaco on that. I would like him to create a trophy um, that is awarded every time Nebraska and Purdue play for as long as he's there. Uh, I think that would be a, that would be a great thing. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 all for making a suggestion. Uh, I like Jay's suggestion with the microphone. That was a unique uh, aspect of his of his uh, year at Nebraska. The way that he uh, seemed seemed uh, unaware that that thing clipped onto your shirt or your coat. But um, I, <laughs> I I don't know um, what I mean. What what would make a great Nebraska Purdue trophy? I I, I I'm I'm open. Broken shot glass. Sure. Sure. I, the the um, gosh, the, the 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 trophy that that he created um, on on the what was it? UConn in Central Florida, right? Oh, South South Florida or Central Florida? Man, there's been some. It was it was for Frost. It was Central Florida. Yeah. Yeah, there's been some incredible journalism done in my time at ESPN. Uh, you know, I I encourage people to go seek out the story that my former colleague Andrea Adelson wrote about tracking down that trophy and where it went. I think she had some conversations with Diaco on that. It might be in the, somewhere at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, or it's like in Diaco's basement in West Lafayette. Uh-huh. So those are the two options. Maybe he can bring that one back and then award that to the winner the winner of the Nebraska-Purdue game, the Diaco Bowl. That'd be pretty good. Mitch, you take care. We'll talk soon. Thanks for the time. Okay, thanks, Chris. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. That'll be on ESPNLincoln.com, the on-demand section, also the ESPN Lincoln Twitter handle. The quarterback situation heading to West Lafayette and uh, takeaways from Iowa from Mitch, plus his thoughts on the Bob Diaco Bowl. About 25 minutes away, Rick Pizzo's coming up. Big Ten Network, Big Ten Buffet. Rick Kaczynski, former Nebraska assistant. So you have some things that are interesting on social media. One, uh, and I love Tampa Bay Buccaneer football, specifically with Sue and Levante David. Tampa has a campaign uh, from a retweet standpoint to make sure Levante David gets Pro Bowl votes. Of any year in his incredible career, and he's been on national TV a thousand times for the first time in his career this season with Brady being down there and Gronk. Uh, he's been NFL Defensive Player of the Month a couple of times. I would hope it wouldn't have to come down to a social media campaign. I saw this, and I'm in a, our media partner locally here is 1011. And it'll be interesting to, to check out the uh, sit-down because you have Lincoln's mayor, uh, did a one-on-one sit-down with 1011 about the, the controversy surrounding youth sports and uh, the fact that, well, 
youth sports is on hold right now. But not all sports are on hold right now. So, yeah, that's um, been an area of contention by some. And when you look at the city here, uh, with social media, with Facebook, and with Twitter, you had a tennis tournament in which a family member of the mayor participated in. The mayor discussed making sacrifices in the community due to COVID restrictions, including her own family. You have youth sports. That's varsity high school teams. They're currently on pause. Uh, That doesn't include golf or tennis. Uh, They are exceptions to the locally-based guidance from the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services that was issued five months ago. So you have... uh, you have tennis and golf happening, and you have hoops that is not. So that has caused some ire, and we'll see what the, the mayor has to say about that tonight. Buckle up. Because, I mean, you've seen it on social media. You've seen it on Twitter. You've seen it on Facebook. People are raging against the mayor for this decision. And I don't blame them. If you're going to shut down sports, you're going to shut down all sports. Now, I enjoyed playing the best round of golf I've played in years last Saturday. I would be very sad to not go play golf, but I'm not a kid. I, I Kids are precious, and sometimes they're you can stand them. And I'm talking about junior. And I wish he was working on layups and three-point shots or indoor baseball opposed to uh, gaming. But, yeah, the, the double standard thing will certainly be approached and talked about. Nebraska basketball in action tonight as uh, the mayor and company, the other mayor, uh, Fred Hoiberg in Nebraska, set to go. They're trying to move to 3-1. Three to one, three and one. South Dakota comes to town. Huge game in, in the sense that Nebraska is going to try and tighten up on their defensive rebounding and just overall toughness, right? North Dakota State cranked out 22 offensive rebounds. Nebraska came out on fire in the second half, did their thing. This is a game Nebraska should win. I think they'll carry the Nevada lesson, lesson forward into this. Creighton looms for Nebraska Creighton here. Um, uh, later on this month. But I, I think this is a big game for Ivan. Okay, I look at Ivan, and you're wondering, okay, where's the improvement from last year to this year? Ivan's a young kid. I mean, 17, just turned 18, and he has put the work in on his body. And you've seen that translate in his ability to get off the floor and finish pretty violently towards the rim. He's able to run the floor in some instances that I remember against Nevada where his first two field goals were dunks. Now, from a from an offensive standpoint, Ivan's still really raw. Sometimes Ivan's not catching the ball. And he's, you know, the kid's putting the work in. So this isn't let's get in line and smack Ivan day. But I think it's important for him to control the paint. Brady Iman's coming back to town. He plays for South Dakota now and Brady's a raw offensive guy, too, but Brady's a hustler, and he'll work the glass 
you know, Nebraska needs to shoot better. Nebraska needs to finish at the rim. But Nebraska needs to be more physical. I don't know that there's a shot for them to hang with most the, most teams in the Big Ten from a physicality standpoint, but from a finesse and athleticism and speed point of view, from a pacing, I think that's where Nebraska is going to going to counter the the burly physical nature of the Big Ten. There's just some teams in the league you're not going to match up with, but Nebraska's offhand and counter to that is their speed and athleticism, but against uh, some of these group of five squads that are going to try and outwork you and out-hustle you and maybe bang you around down low, this is big, and I think it's big for Ivan to control that paint to be dominant down there. That tip-off is 8 o'clock tonight on uh, BTN. So, now, I'm, I'm excited about Husker Hoops. I don't know if they're able to get into that second tier of the Big Ten. I mean, I think it'd be really, really remarkable. We don't know how things will play out futuristically with COVID and Big Ten basketball. But Nebraska should be able to to be a matchup issue for some for some other teams in the Big Ten. And when you, as long as you got guys like McGowan and Banton and the tough shot maker, Teddy Buckets, I mean, those are three guys that can do a lot for Nebraska basketball against anybody. It's going to come down to their defense and rebounding, and Nebraska's been able to tip a lot of balls and get out in transition. But the physical nature of things, at least from a mentality standpoint and just a mindset to go out and and protect the old rim, let's see what Ivan and company can do. Uh, numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. We'll have some more thoughts from Nebraska's coaches today. Coach Lubick spoke to the media. Coach uh, Chenander on the Husker defense will get his take on that black shirt D there, bounce back in Iowa City. And if that travels to West Lafayette, Rick Pizzo is on the way and then an extended second hour with former Nebraska defensive line coach. We'll get into some tough love. We'll get into center snapping and uh, just how you coach and connect personality-wise with kids. Rick Kaczynski next hour. Tale Varsity, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Okay, I just saw this. Artez tweets in at Artez Craig. Artez, shout out to you for listening, man. Thanks. Who starts at running back Saturday? Artez, what's, uh, what's Roger the Dodger doing? Can R.C. go with them high knees and Super Bowl rings? Dan tweets in. Uh, when it comes to the mayor, I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that her uh, daughter had some tennis tournaments coming up as to why tennis and golf are available. Dan on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at ESPN Lincoln, at Hale Varsity, at uh, Schmidt underscore radio, at Damon Barr with two R's. Paul's on the line. Paul, thanks for chiming in. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Mitch Sherman, come on, buddy. I got a little bit of analysis I'd like to go over. Uh, how many extra scholarships did we have left to give at the start of our season? 
none, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's what's your complaint about Mitch, Paul? Well, he's saying it's going to be hard for us to um, uh, replace these uh, guys that have uh, departed. It's like, time out. We're not going to have any problem with uh, recruiting because you're going to be in a real bind on offering this year when everyone has an extra year of eligibility. You're not going to lose anyone except by attrition or guys that maybe get forced out because they've been here five years and they Coaching staff doesn't want them around. Paul, I think that there's going to be a bottleneck of, of scholarships, right? I mean, if, if guys want to stay and you want them to stay, that you don't get extra scholarships for the pause. That's the whole point. He's saying that we're going to have a problem with these guys being gone. But, uh, you, but you've, left, you've left some guys. I think it's an issue because you're going to end up, instead of developing, it's not good, right, Paul? I mean, can we agree on that? It's not good. It's not end of the world, but it's not good. I mean, Nebraska's a year of development, but yes, yes, guys were freshmen, right? Sure, but that's freshmen that you were hoping to have here to develop, so maybe they can get downfield eventually. I, I mean, I think it sucks for Nebraska that they're always specifically a wide receiver. They're always chasing, right? I mean, they yeah. just they're just, and this goes back. I mean, they, they've they've a had plus. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it. At uh, the receiving core that Nebraska had when they were last nine and three, and that's that's uh, that's Demorne, that's uh, Zoe, that's uh, uh, Riley, uh, that's Westerkamp. I mean, they were loaded. They were great at receiver, and now after that, you've just been trying to chase and develop and get some wideouts here, and you you've got some dudes in here now. How quickly can can Betts keep developing? Because I think he can be that guy. Uh, you, got sure. a, you got Alante Brown that you're waiting to, to have that light go on. But Fleming showed early that against a defense like Northwestern, he was able to get open, right? So I don't know where the disconnect is, what happened, and why he packed up and went home. I have no clue. And we're never going to know that answer, period. No. I think, you, I, think you, I, think you're all, I think you're always chasing it, and it's better to have him here, and you put all that work in, and you beat out some really good peer schools for him, to lose him isn't good. And also, from a, from a reputation standpoint, does it make it harder now to go back into Florida and get kids like that to come back up here in a non-COVID year? Possibly. Yeah. It all, it all comes down to being the right kid, mm-hmm. the right fit for the system. And quite frankly, I think we've got the wrong attitude here. I think we've got to go and follow the Wisconsin model of just churning out NFL linemen until we can get the pipeline reestablished. It doesn't matter who we got in the skill positions. They aren't going to have time to develop plays. They aren't going to have time to get free and open. The line's got to happen. Paul, you're right on with that, brother. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the phone call. It is about the line of scrimmage. Hour two coming up. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big Ten Buffet Time. We say hi to Rick Pizzo at BTN. Rick Pizzo. Rick, how was the uh, the weekend? How was the Thanksgiving, man? 
Well, it's been a little bit crazy, my friend. Thanksgiving was nice, but of course I was supposed to be on our broadcast team for Wisconsin-Minnesota, and we know what happened there. It is what it is in the sports pandemic world that we call 2020, but I got to tell you, man, I am sick and tired of missing out on football games. Uh, You're not alone there, and uh, one game that went on was Nebraska-Iowa. What were some of your takeaways with, uh, with Nebraska and Iowa found another way to win a close ball game. It looked like Nebraska was closer, but some of the same ills still bit Nebraska. Yeah, unfortunately, man, you and I, right, we're having the same conversation time and time again. I love the movie Groundhog Day. I don't think it plays very well in Lincoln right now. Iowa had been running up the score on teams. Their offense had been really good. I felt like the defense kept Nebraska in the game, gave them a chance to win, This is not a team, as you and I have discussed on multiple occasions, that is going to win football games by scoring 20 points. We go back to the Northwestern game, and I told you they had to keep the tempo up and not make mistakes, especially in the red zone. They did the exact opposite. Against Iowa, it's those self-inflicted wounds. It's those little teeny mistakes that the veteran teams don't really make. And at this point, you're starting to think, when does this become a team that is not going to make those same mistakes? You know, you you said a key word there, veteran, and uh, it's been highlighted several times about Nebraska playing young guys. But, but Rick, the older guys are some of the ones making the mistakes for Nebraska. Yeah, and that's got to be the most frustrating thing, right, for Scott Frost. What you need when you are trying to build a program is to have your veteran guys make the right decisions at the most critical times. And to your point, Chris, that is not happening. And you can't sell the room on how important it is to buy into the fundamentals and to buy into that mentality of the team that makes the least mistakes usually wins when your veteran leaders are making those mistakes. It's a great point that you bring up. So uh, one thing that my takeaway was on Black Friday, I thought Adrian looked closer to 2018 Adrian, I thought he looked really sharp. The uh, little flare-out to Wandale Robinson was well-blocked. Nebraska did well out on the edge. They're still kind of searching for more of a ground-and-pound with uh, not having Mills available. But there was some flow offensively, but the major takeaway was, you know, how well Nebraska did. They matched the physicality. They stopped the run. What didn't happen was special teams – and, and, of course, some, some untimely penalties. And, you know what, it was uh, a tough day for Nebraska. When it comes to Purdue, let's go there real quick. Uh, you have uh, Rondale Moore that is just incredible. You have Bell that's phenomenal. This thing's a pick right now by some friends in the desert. What do you foresee on Saturday here? What type of ball game shakes out? Well, you brought up the special teams issues, right? That's a very important part of this ball game because Rondale Moore, I know he was an All-American mainly because during his freshman year what he did at the wide receiver position, but you cannot forget about his all-purpose yardage and how dangerous he is in the kick and the return game. You have got to account for him on every single special teams play. Purdue also has an outstanding field goal kicker, and when you're trying to match up defensively against that offense, you can't just worry about number four because number three, David Bell, is arguably 
a better wide receiver, maybe not as pure a talent as Rondale Moore, but as far as the upside and his ability to run routes, catch balls in traffic, and be that go-to guy on critical third-down passing situations, you're going to have to come up with some cover corners playing the games of their lives if they want to match up on the edges when Purdue is in those passing situations. Let's flip it around. You have Nebraska's offense that's been putting up about 20 a contest. You have the Bob Diaco D in West Lafayette that's not really been shutting down too many too many folks. So is this a potential get well game for the Nebraska offense or is this the uh, the breakthrough game for this Purdue defense? No, you would think that this is a game where Nebraska's offense should be able to have some success. You look at Purdue, even in games that they won, you know, I did the sidelines for their game against Illinois, and that defense got really tired and struggled late. Obviously, the Rutgers game and other games that Purdue's defense doesn't necessarily, they're a bend but don't break defense. But what you see is when you start to wear them down in the middle, and the guys like Lorenzo Neal can't really do what he needs to do and disrupt. And then obviously with the absence of George Karloftis, you don't really have that pass rush guy off the edge. So I would think that if it's a get-well game for either Nebraska's offense or Purdue's defense, my lean would be toward that Husker offense. Rick Pizzo's with us. few minutes. Big Ten buffet time. Hail Varsity Radio. Follow Rick on Twitter at BTN Rick Pizzo. You see him all over BTN on the sidelines and hosting, of course. So... What the heck's up with Sparty, and did Northwestern get too many pats on the back, or is this just an example of the Big Ten depth from last weekend? Were you shocked by Northwestern's performance? You know, I was shocked, Chris, because this is a situation where no matter how smart you are as an 18, 19, 20-year-old, and those guys at Northwestern are obviously pretty bright, you can't avoid the clippings. And Northwestern went into that game and saw the cancellations and the Big Ten rules and knew one thing was certain win one game, one game the rest of the way, and you are headed to the Big Ten championship game as West Division champs. And they didn't show up. The first quarter ended the game. I mean, if they play for four quarters the way they played in the second, third, and fourth quarter, they eke out a tough one. But Michigan State jumps up early because Northwestern never showed up, and the offense wasn't there for Northwestern to build back a lead. And they deserve to lose the game. I make no bones about it. Michigan State played better than Northwestern in that game. And Northwestern is probably still going to find its way into the Big Ten championship game. They still only need to win once. The problem is now you've basically eliminated yourself from that college football playoff conversation. They were right there, and uh, now you are – you know, potentially a New Year's Day six still if you can win out or you you yep. play Ohio State, assuming they get to go well. But, uh, yeah, that, that loss is tough to overcome. Uh, what do you make here of, of Indiana post-Penix? That is such horrific news for Indiana and the ACL with their quarterback. I don't know what Indiana has uh, as backup. Last year it was Ramsey. He won in Lincoln. We know that movie. But Wisconsin looked drastically different, uh, annihilating Michigan and then getting shut down by Northwestern. Uh, this should be pretty fun here, Wisconsin-Indiana Saturday. It should, and Indiana will turn to Jack Tuttle. He's a transfer from Utah, came in last year, was the third-string guy between Ramsey, behind Ramsey and Penix, but Tom Allen said it was really close between those three guys over the course of the year. Listen, Tuttle is not the athlete that Penix is. He's not going to beat you on those runs like Penix did, but he stepped in last week and looked pretty good for a guy that hadn't taken a meaningful snap in quite a while. 
They're going to have to rely more on Stevie Scott. The good news for Penix, right, is that you have those wide receivers. You have Wapfillier. You have Ty Freifogel. You're going to have to throw up a lot of 50-50 balls and let your receivers do the job. But I think Indiana now probably becomes a little bit more ball possession than they've become in the past. I think they have to rely a little bit more on Stevie Scott than Tom Allen would probably like to. You know, and I look at Indiana last weekend, they were able to to get right. And, you know, the question was what was going to happen after uh, a great comeback, right? A great comeback against uh, a, a team like Ohio State. How are they going to handle disappointment? And And they took care of business, man. They were able to to focus, and Maryland's offense had been high octane. They held Maryland to 11 points. So I thought that was an impressive response ball game after that emotional letdown at Ohio State. Were you expecting that from Indiana, or were you kind of shocked with how, how they handled themselves? No, I think they were exactly what you would expect. They, they started a little slow, you know. They, they kind of grinded out that game. And I think when you come off, as you said, that Ohio State game where you're down by a million and you suddenly have a chance to tie it up late, the emotions that go into that, and then the fact that Tuttle came in still in a fairly tight game and was able to close it out after Penix went down. And I think the team, you can usually tell, I could tell, and I think most viewers could mm-hmm. tell that, Penix knew something was really wrong. I think the team knew that, too, to have the mental fortitude to get past that and beat a pretty dangerous Maryland team when you really needed it without your quarterback. I think that showed me a lot. and I think Indiana is going to put up a really good fight this week. Obviously, Wisconsin's a very different animal, but they've had a lot of COVID issues at Wisconsin. We're still missing a lot of guys. Who's going to be there? Who's not going to be there? And usually, Chris, unfortunately, we don't know the answers to a lot of those questions until right before kickoff. Rick, what do you make of of Michigan right now? There's a lot swirling around. Uh, disappointing season for for Michigan. They're two and four. Maryland comes in, and Michigan's defense has been a problem. They've also uh, had issues at quarterback. They really didn't capitalize on the overtime win against Rutgers. They they got uh, beat last weekend, and now they're trying to kind of find themselves uh, against Maryland. And they got beat by you know Penn State again, a, a better team on paper than their record shows, but they still got beat at home by, by double digits here. Uh, what's the vibe you get in Ann Arbor, not only from the season, but also the coaching situation? Yeah, there's a lot of frustration. I don't think Jim Arbaugh did himself any favors yesterday. He was talking about the fact that it's not all about wins and losses and it's not results-oriented for him and his staff. It's about the process. And I think you can sell that in the first couple of years at most schools. I think it's a shorter lifespan that you could sell that at a place like Michigan, but you can't sell it this this deep in. You can't sell it when you're losing basically every time against top 10 and ranked opponents, when you're not able to win games as an underdog, when you're not able to win games at home. And listen, 2020 is an anomaly for everybody. I don't really think that 2020 should be a stain on anybody's resume based on everything that's gone on. But at the end of the day, if you're Michigan and you are Jim Harbaugh and you've been there and been recruiting for as long as you've been recruiting and you have the facilities and you have the money to do what you need to do when you're out there recruiting, then I think you have to be better than this this far in. And I think that is generally the common theme right now. Now, listen, they've been hit by some COVID. They've been hit by some injuries. Everybody can sing this song right now. But at the end of the day, I do think that for most of this fan base, what is happening this year, I think the most appropriate word is unacceptable. Let's go to Rutgers, kind of the uh, 180. And Shiano knows the 
landscape, thrived there, has gone back home. Has Rutgers always had talent, but it's not been tapped into? Is that what's so great about Shiano? Yeah, I think so. I also think that there's a belief that when a guy comes in who's done it before, that he can do it again. We've seen it at other places, too. I mean, it does work. And I think it's working right now. Uh, I mean, it's working at North Carolina for Mac Brown, of all people, who's obviously a lot deeper <laughs> in his career and his age than Greg Schiano. But Schiano came in, and there was an instant belief. I think there was credibility, I think is maybe the right word. But he's also got a really good staff. I think a lot about the offensive coordinator, Sean Gleason, young guy who was at Oklahoma State last year. I think that offense can do a lot of different things. They're funky. They're playing with a, like they have nothing to lose. I think that's a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, they're an overtime field goal away from beating Michigan and being 3-3. Three and three. And who would have thought that right now? You look at the Big Ten standings, and you see Rutgers ahead of both Michigan and Penn State at this point in the season with two weeks to go. It's a great story. Rick, I'll get you out of here on this. Rick Pizzo with his Big Ten buffet. Hail Varsity Radio at BTN. Rick Pizzo. Uh, Husker basketball, uh, Nebraska off to a decent start. They got South Dakota tonight on BTN at 8. Interested in, in your early returns, real early returns. We'll know more uh, with Nebraska against Creighton here, uh, you know, COVID permitting here in a couple of weeks. But, you know, what's your what's your uh, quick thought here on on the roster that the mayors put together? I mean, they're fun. There's some athletes. They're, they're transfer dudes. But they seem like they're on the same, pe- same page of have you been impressed so far in this limited number of games by Husker Hoops? I think one word is the key. I think it's pace, Chris, because I think what you have to do is you have to find a way when you know you're not in the top tier talent-wise in your own league, you have to find a way during non-conference to kind of separate yourself. What can you do that might cause some trouble to other teams? For years, Michigan State was simply more physical than everybody, right? Wisconsin forever until they got some really quality talent in there like Kaminsky and Decker. They took the air out of the ball and they slowed you down. Different teams do different things. It seems like Hoiberg, in this roster specifically, he wants them to play fast, right? Wants them to play up and down. Don't worry about the shot clock. Let's get a bunch of possessions in there. If that's what's going to separate them, if that what if that's what Fred thinks can give them an edge, then they need to do that, and they need to do that to the extreme during non-conference. And to your point, if nothing else, it makes them a lot of fun to watch. They are fun. They are all over it defensively with a couple of guys. Uh, McGowan's has been incredible. Uh uh, Banton is is a, a treat. They've got some guys that can hit three. You've got Thor from downtown, yep. and the thing that is going to be Nebraska's issues rebounding and physicality. But man, they've got some scores, so it uh, could be interesting here uh, in Lincoln this year for basketball. Rick Pizzo's with his Big Ten buffet. Rick, best to you. Thanks for making time again today, and we'll uh, we'll talk down the road, bud. My pleasure, man. Happy December. Got to love uh, Big Ten Buffet time. Rick Pizzo will check in with Rick Kaczynski, former Nebraska defensive line coach on recruiting. Uh, not Nebraska specifically, but just that, that tough love topic that was pretty prevalent uh, yesterday uh, with Nebraska's press conference. A reminder about buckling up. And uh, there's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver driving drunk buzzed or high never acceptable and law enforcement officers are working every day to stop it before more people are killed or injured if you are going to drive don't drink if you do drink get a designated sober driver or get a ride share 
A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Coach Kaczynski, up next, thoughts on Nebraska-Purdue, Nebraska-Iowa, and uh, hitting that uh, sweet spot with the 18- to 22-year-olds once they get to campus. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's get caught up with uh, former Nebraska assistant Rick Kaczynski with this. Kaz, have you traded the turkey in for a Santa hat? How are you? Welcome to December. <laughs> Not ready for the Santa hat yet, brother. Not ready, man. So uh, just still winding down, starting to get the tree up. Got one of those pre-lit trees, and of course, when you put it up, none of the none of the lights come on. So that's uh, that's our battle right now. So, oh man! Uh, so I, <laughs> I guess it's better than trying to figure out how to stop Alabama, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. Be worse. Well, uh, <laughs> hey, you have a a month uh, looking forward to to watching uh, Christmas Vacation and getting those lights to work, right? Yeah, there we go, man. Yeah, so my wife's pretty good at that stuff. Um, I'm good at buying things, and she's pretty good at uh, at decorating. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of her gig, her and the kids' gig. So I just come home from uh, from the Home Depot with uh, <laughs> with big boxes and let them unpack it. So, well, if you need, I'm a, the bank. I'm uh, the bank. You know how that goes. Well, <laughs> if you need, if you need a couple extra trees that aren't you know show worthy, there's two in storage at our house because. Lord knows we need three trees, you know. So uh, <laughs> tell me about uh, what you saw with Nebraska, Iowa, and, and kind of get into, as we've deemed it here, Clapgate. What were, what were your impressions of the game? Another, another tight ball game. Nebraska didn't, uh, didn't win. Iowa, they're really good at winning close games. Yeah, just, you know, kind of starting with the positives and, and bear bear with me. I was watching it on a phone. Uh, I was at the Notre Dame North Carolina game, and um, um, on the drive up on the drive up to Chapel Hill, so I had it uh, I had it on my uh, center console on my truck. So me and uh, me and my son Victor were watching it. So uh, so yeah, I missed a few of the details, but um, yeah, I, I liked the way Nebraska came out. I thought they they played real aggressive. Um, I liked how the defensive line, I, I thought they were coming across the line of scrimmage, played real physical, and, and they were getting off blocks. So, uh, obviously, I think the, Iowa had 129 yards rushing. So, uh, you knew what Iowa was going to try to do, and Iowa wasn't able to do that and, and still won the game. And, you know, when you get to the close games, uh, I mean, that's Iowa didn't beat themselves, and, and Nebraska just did too many things to keep Iowa in the game give Iowa a short field and, and, and you just can't give a good football team too many chances. So, um, and I think that's what they did, you know, the muff punt, um, the snaps, all those type of things, Schmitty. So, uh, I mean, it really came down to November big 10 football that the team, uh, who made the least amount of st- mistakes wins the football game. You know, I, I think in the SEC and these other conferences, you talk about who's the more physical team. I can tell you, I was at that Notre Dame game Saturday or our Friday. Notre mm-hmm. Dame was the more physical football team, right? Uh, both teams were physical, Iowa and Nebraska. So it didn't come down to who is the more physical football team on Friday. It was who was going to make 
the least amount of mistakes and uh, and unfortunately for uh, for Nebraska that was that was Iowa again. Rick, t- kind of reset your story with the the center position. I know you played it, but you also moved to it. Was that a hard sell for you in your career? You were really talented out of the Notre Dame, but you didn't start out as a center. No, I went there. Um, I was about two hundred and twelve pounds um, my senior year of high school. And uh, I used to get split out, play a lot of tight end, outside backer. So that, that's where that's where folks recruited me as. I uh, got to Notre Dame, um, and uh, you know I played tight end, was redshirted like it used to be back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know I came in planning on redshirting and getting strong and big and all those type of things. So um, you know played tight end and and then got moved to fullback in the spring some, and that that uh, that wasn't for me. I was a really <laughs> I was I was a bad fullback, Schmitty. So uh, give those guys credit, especially those Nebraska guys, and uh, and just just amazing. I, I I embraced, I enjoyed the the contact. I just uh, I wasn't real good in space when guys moved on me. So in a telephone booth, I could I could block you, but uh, when you moved in space on me, uh, it was it was hard. So I, I went back to tight end, and then. Um, then I went back to uh, then I went back to center. So it really it, it was just a matter at that point. I wanted to get on the field. Right? I I came in with a really good recruiting class. Uh, the guys I came in with, the guys I was they were they were playing. So I at that point, Schmitty, I just wanted to get on the field. Uh, fortunately for me, unfortunately for a, a few other guys, we had some guys get hurt, and. Um, Coach Holtz and Coach Moore really didn't have a choice. So we had about four tight ends that were in the mix. I was playing about 10, 15 snaps a game, and I wanted to start. I wanted to play the whole game. And they, they asked who, which one of us out of there was three that were uh, asked to move, and I put my hand up. And I remember Joe Moore. Joe Moore wrote on his board. He said, you're going to be a three-year starter if you listen to me. So, And that was kind of, that was kind of the transition, and I was very, very fortunate um, that I was surrounded by great football players with a lot of experience. So, so that really helped the transition. But, I mean, once, once I was in there, there was no way you're getting me out. And in, in, in this day and age with the transfer portal and all those type of things, Schmitty, it's, you know, when I was coming up, I was hoping they wouldn't ask me to leave, mm-hmm. right? That was the mentality. I was hoping to get on the field, and I knew – it was up to me, not the coaches. It was up to me. I controlled my destiny once I got on to campus at Notre Dame. It was up to me, not 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 the coaches. So, so you know, uh, unfortunately, that's uh, that's what we're dealing with with this transfer portal and in college football these days. So, wasn't a hard transition for me, but I was surrounded by some great coaches and some some great players that made that easier for me, Schmidt. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. I look at, at what Nebraska's done with Jurgens. Uh really explosive athlete, super talented, very physical, but just uh not throwing strikes all the time and he's a good a good kid. I mean he's he's gonna work on it and Nebraska stuck with them and there weren't problems in the second half with it. That said, you know firsthand the difficulty of playing the position you also know that you got a job to do right so uh that 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 dynamic but it's i mean you've uh you've coached uh defensive line you you've kind of laid out the positions you know and you've you've played uh, in your career how does center stack up to that from a difficulty standpoint between the mental side and then 
you got to be one of those road graders up front too. Yeah, I think when you look at the history of of the the schools, you know, you look at the pipeline, mm-hmm. you, you look at the Notre Dames of the world, the 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 Ohio States, the Penn States, the um, Oklahoma when they used to try to run the ball mm-hmm. on people. I, I, when you when you look at these great teams, Alabama, going back to the uh, White Stevens sure. way back, you know, um, when you look at those guys, you have the athletic centers athletic centers guys that can get to the second level but also not only were they athletic I, I, you know you're the, you're the quarterback for the line you're making the calls you're seeing the secondary you know I, at Notre Dame they put a lot on us rightfully so man you know who was double who was the double reader in the protection we had we we started at the safeties we looked at the structure all those things so that going back to the earlier question about the transition that was the hard part was was you know, handling that mental aspect of it where, you know, the responsibility is on me to get everybody going in the right direction. But you know what? If I made the call, I made the call with confidence, you know, everybody was on a string. You know, this is where we're going to. This is the mic. This is the free. This is the check. This is the – you're the double reader. So, you know, those those things, that's big boy football, man. Um but, you know, Schmitty, the snaps and everything else that go along with it, I mean, that, that's, part, that's part of the game. And I, when I look at Cam, um, you know, in that transition from, from tight end to, to center, um, it happened for him, you know, right away. You know, mm-hmm. I switched a couple different positions and all that. But Cam, he's explosive. He's athletic. He's smart. I mean, he, he played as a young kid. But I, I think, you know, there comes a point where, you know, this – it's a two-way street, right? Mm-hmm. He's got to figure out a way to get those snaps, and he will. He did it in the second half, right? But also, you know, the coach has got to help him. We were in shotgun at Notre Dame maybe less, probably about 10% of the time, maybe even less at that period in the 90s. So it wasn't a whole lot for me, but I didn't overthink it, right? But mm-hmm. what, what my coach did, what Coach Holtz did, and what I did, I researched it because I had not only snapping with a guy underneath me, never snapped in a gun. So we, you know, we researched it, and it just became automatic. And, mm-hmm. and I just think right now he's just overthinking it. He didn't overthink it in the second half, and you saw the results. But uh, he's too good of a player not to be on the field. He'll figure that thing out. And, and I like if I'm a betting man and if I'm hedging against, uh, against Purdue this weekend, you're not, you're not going to see those errant snaps this weekend. Couple more minutes. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Kaz, uh, I want to get into uh, the, uh, the the transfer portal. You you kind of intimated into it a little bit earlier in our conversation, and uh, you, you have attrition, and and every program does. And what is that process like as a coach, coaching today's athlete? That some kids come in entitled, some kids come in with. Um, uh, a lack of confidence. Uh, they they, they want to play at this level, but some guys have some doubt. I mean, you have all different sorts of personalities, and it, it's never a cookie cutter. My question to you is, you know, how do you deal with guys that uh, have a disagreement with the the playing time they may or may not be getting, and also that that re-recruitment side of things, keeping kids involved, engaged, and and not running for home because if they're patient, which kids aren't, I get it. Uh, they could turn into really good players, and and you see programs losing kids left and right. Oh, this, this, this portal is just oh man. Unless unless 
the staff that that recruited you leaves, mm-hmm. I, I just I just disagree with the with the portal. Um, you know, life is hard, right? Mm-hmm. Marriage is hard, working's hard, business is hard. You know, college football it, it's hard. But what's great about being a student athlete, just being a college student, is is you you learn how to handle adversity, and what I see, not just in college football these days, is you see a society that does not understand how to handle adversity. Um, and when these players have an out, they take it. Uh, and, you know, you go back 25, 30 years, there's a lot more places to go. Um, you know, there wasn't the UCFs, the USFs, mm-hmm. you know, Texas Tech, the Baylors, the Tech. You know, guys weren't going to leave in Nebraska or a Notre Dame or a Penn State or a Michigan to go to these places. They were gonna they were gonna stick it out and drive through and deal with the adversity and, and graduate from the school that, that, that they committed to. It's just it's just a different it's a different age. And now and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. But I can tell you as a as a coach, man, I I would I would struggle. Schmidt, you know, I, I'm a hard driving guy and the guys that I coached that played for me, they, they appreciate that and they understood that. You know, it was never about me. Um, it was about me trying to get these guys to see where I saw them beyond the limits that they put on themselves. And that's what every coach does. Uh, it's about pushing guys. I mean, I mean, it's just human nature. There's not a whole lot of fun about getting up and going to conditioning, you know, when you got a 35-mile-an-hour win in January in Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, there's a whole lot of things that aren't fun about being a college football player. Um, and, you know, you get, can't just turn and run the other way when things don't go your way. You've got to fight through those things. And I know it's hard, man. It's hard roster management. Uh, but those guys that leave that fast, you know what? They were going to fold on you at some point when you needed them. So that's the way I look at it. Um, and, you know, the further away you get from home, the less you know about a guy. And, um, man, it's tough. I know with Nebraska you got to recruit nationally. Mm-hmm. But, man, you know, those kids from Big Ten country, it just doesn't seem like they're as quick to, to leave um, – as some other folks, right? And, and, and I'll say that, and I don't, I don't say that about the Southeast or different parts of the country. I'm saying, you know, Clemson had a five-star running back go back to Florida. Right. Kid from Florida committed to them. He took off, I think, back in September. If that kid's from South Carolina, he's not going back home. He's, he's got a place to go, an equivalent program um, with a brand name that he can go to. That kid, if he was from South Carolina, he'd still be at Clemson. So, you know, I, I, there's – it's I can't imagine dealing with it, but also to me, there's no way in hell maybe I was going to change the way I coach guys, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no. It, I would have had to find guys just like I did at Iowa and just like I did at Nebraska that wanted to be coach. And I was honest, and Bo was honest. And I, this is how you're going to be coached, and this is why you're going to be coached this way, all right? Because I want you to be great. I don't care if you like me for these next four years. I care if you like me when you're 40 and you got three kids and you lose your job and you're facing adversity and you can reach out to me and we can help you and you're going to dig yourself out of that hole, right? Or when you sign that third contract for $40 million, right? 
like that's that's when you're going to appreciate that coach that pushes you, right? That saw way more in inside of you than you saw in yourself. And and I tell you, those kids that just up and leave this quick, I mean, hey, I know there's all kind of reasons for kids leaving, man. But when you leave that fast, to me, that tells you a little bit about about those guys. And I just think that there'll be a time they were going to fold on you anyway at mm-hmm. some point when you needed them. And you got to worry about the guys that are on the roster. Don't worry about the ones that leave. Worry about the guys you got in that locker room and on that sideline because that's all that matters right now, Schmitty. Kaz, uh, when it comes to tough love, I mean, th- that was kind of a focal point of the presser yesterday and you uh kind of laid out how you approached it but you had that conversation in the living room and you had that conversation on the practice field guys knew what they were going to get and i'm sure uh during your career you you, you knew what you were going to get i mean you got coached hard i would i would assume i would assume <laughs> yeah 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 go going back a long ways my entire life i was co- <laughs> so you were, you were ready for it by so, junior uh, high <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, to be honest with, you know, Western Pennsylvania, Steeltown, you know, are you kidding me? All, you know, all Catholic, all boys high school. There's no and, transfer you know, going portal? Back to my grade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no no transfer portal, you know. I, uh, You know, I, it, <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't sure. trade it for anything. I, I mean, honestly, but to be honest with you, Schmitty, in this day and age, I don't think there is a guy that I play. I started playing football when I was eight years old mm-hmm. at St. John's. And there is not a guy that I played for from St. John's to Cathedral Prep to Notre Dame. There's not a guy that I played for that could coach. I don't think the way they could now <laughs> without being on the front page of USA sure. Today. I, I, I mean, I, I, I honestly believe that, and, and that's a shame. Uh, what I was able to recognize is that those coaches had my best interest mm-hmm. in me. They wanted me. They saw something in me different than I saw in myself, and that there was no way in hell they were going to allow me to be average. And that's what I used to tell all these guys. You know, I mean, Malik Collins, I could, I could say, do, whatever, and he kept coming back for more. Vincent? I knew I knew I had a, lim- a limit to Vincent. I knew I could push him, and then I knew I had a limit. But I also had to explain to Vincent why I was doing what I was doing, right? So you have to know your guys. You got to know your personnel. But you know, when a guy leaves after three months, you don't know him. Sure. He doesn't know you, right? <laughs> so, so, and also too, I could I could point in that living room. And when these guys got on campus, when you look at the Iowa D-lines, the Nebraska D-lines, you know, not not just while I was there. I'm saying over history. Guys, this is the formula, okay? This is the formula. If you listen to me, you want to do great things. You want to be like Mike Daniels. You want to be like Baker Steinkohler. You want to be Eric Martin, right? I mean, you want to be these guys, Randy Gregory, Malik Collins. Then just, just, I'm telling you, this is what these guys did, okay? This is how I see you. I used to tell Malik all the time. I'm like, I go, you're way more athletic than Mike Daniels, but he's tougher than you. And that would just get Malik, right? And then Malik was on a, you know, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. But Malik understood why I was saying that to you. So, you know, when a guy's on campus two, three months, man, he doesn't know you. He doesn't know you, and, and you really don't know him. And, and that's, a, that's a key component 
of of what's going on in modern day college football with this transfer portal and uh um, and in my opinion, I think it's going to hurt the kids more than the coaches over time. You know, uh, I, I really do. That's just that's just my opinion. So, uh, you know, you just got to keep plugging away. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you really do. And I know I know every coach has to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I adapted. I was a way different coach in, in 2014 than I than I was in 2004. Mm-hmm. Way different coach. I mean, you're constantly adapting, but you know. There was no way that I was going to allow a player to change my principles or my demands or, you know, how I was going to approach um, him in trying to make him successful. I was not there. I was not going to concede on on any of those elements of being a coach and making a player great. Kaz, last thought, and this was awesome to, to get your insight on, on coaching and being able to connect with kids. Nebraska-Purdue, kind of a coin flip, pick em type ball game. Should be another tight one for Nebraska. They're playing better. Do they have any little bit of momentum, even though it was a loss last week? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I'm a Coach Osborne. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a name drop here, Schmitty. You know, Coach Osborne, yeah, he came he came down to my to my office one day and uh he saw I was frustrated. He he just didn't come down. He was walking on the second floor and uh he could tell my frustration of watching some practice tape inside drill and asked me if I was doing okay and I said, Yeah and I just kinda was going through the players and what they were doing wrong and he was just kinda nodding his head and, and before uh before he left he said Hey, Coach, he said, don't be afraid to catch him doing something right every once in a while. You know, and it was a total wake-up call, right? I mean, I I was, especially when you have really talented, good players, you pick them apart, right? You pick them apart. Some final thoughts with Kaz as we wind down a Tuesday on Hale Varsity next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time on a Tuesday, and some final thoughts with Coach Kaczynski, our extended sit-down. And I think what's happening with Coach Frost and his staff and his team right now, like Cam Jurgens, I mean, you know, Snapgate, it's, it, it's getting so blown out of proportion. It, it cost them. It did. I understand that. But, man, I mean, that's, it's a four- or five-day story now. Man, let's move on. Let's correct those things. That is correctable, right? Mm-hmm. That, is, that is correctable. You know, Nebraska, they cut down on the penalties, right? I mean, Adrian looked like a quarterback out there that can lead a team to victory. I, I, I liked him. It looked like the team was playing together. The D-line was getting off blocks. Um, the, the DBs, man, uh, I mean, they were, they were locking down. They were locking down coverage. So, so, to me, when I'm looking at going into the Purdue game, I'm looking at the things that Nebraska did right. Uh, that, and what's great about what they did wrong, there's few things and they're correctable. So, I mean, I, you know, like I guess I don't, I don't bet just right. in case I want to get back in coaching again. But, I mean, I, I have no doubt the Huskers are going to walk away with this one with a W. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Kaz, this was a blast. We'll do it again. Thanks again for your time. Love you, bro. Appreciate you having me on, man. Go Big Red. Got to love his thoughts and uh, the topic of getting coached hard and how he'd connect and drive his guys on the interior 
you got to be a, a special dude to be able to play the lines of scrimmage, both. And uh, the topic of coaching hard. So, uh, good. Good from Kaczynski. Great stuff from Rick Pizzo. Amazing thoughts from Mitch Sherman. Get the podcast if you just missed it or caught part of it. Uh, Hail Varsity Radio. We're part of the uh, Heard At uh, Media Network, of course, and can log on to the network spot under the tab uh, with HailVarsity.com. But download, subscribe, give us a rating. Good, bad, ugly, whatever. Give us a thought and can do so on iTunes with Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, also check us out on Spotify and Google Play. Get your emails in, Chris at HailVarsity.com. And uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and at Damon Barr. Tomorrow on the show, we'll uh, check in with Mike Babcock. What's Nebraska do to South Dakota tonight on the hardwood? Uh, We'll get caught up with Mike Schuart, college football playoff reaction. Brad Edwards with us. And then uh, Purdue rundown, Tom Deanhart is going to be with us. We are almost ready to confirm Grant Wistrom for Thursday. So that is that is a hope, but it might be a reality. Gary Barnett Thursday and, uh, of course, Brandon Vogel on Thursday. So loaded up for the rest of the week. Listen, I told you it's Purdue week. It's a chance for Nebraska to get back in the win column. Be another tight ball game. Let's see if it's a step forward. It's been a draining season, no doubt, with all the changes and issues with COVID, but just the soul-crushing losses. Getting blown out, losing a tight ball game. You want it to stop. Maybe it does, the losing to stop. Maybe it does Saturday. See how the matchup goes. We'll have further thoughts tomorrow. Big thanks to Damon Barr, Chris Schmidt, Hail City back at you tomorrow at 4. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Have a good one.